0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that air. So today's going to be a little bit of a mishmash kind of a day. Um, I just kind of was putting together a bunch of little things that I wanted to talk about. So I've got a a decent sized list. Um, There's some injury updates, not for the Packers. Relax, breathe. But um, some that do pertain to the Green Bay Packers. Got some information about Rick Wagner, which I already talked about, but uh, we'll look at that. A couple different questions mixed in. And, um, I, I want to I, yesterday we spent a little bit of time appreciating Jair. Maybe this will become more common. I don't know. I mean, there's only so many players on the team, but, you know, it can't be every day, but once in a while. I want to spend a little time highlighting and spotlighting a guy that I haven't been the nicest to in the world. I, don't, I wouldn't say I've been mean to, but I just have been setting the bar quite low that I figure we should spend some time appreciating and highlighting, considering what happened last week, and that's Mr. Robert Tanyan because look i'm i'm I don't want to say I'm necessarily pessimistic, I'm just extremely cautious because I know what happens and I know what what fandom does, and I also understand how crushingly disappointing things can be um when guys do well, you know sometimes and then just don't do well anymore. I could go through the list over and over and over again of just recent guys, Jared aridaris um. Geronimo, I mean, MVS has flashes, Janice, even Trevor Davis had, you know, I mean, as a punt returner, but also maybe like one play as a receiver and like, oh man, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the breakout. Maybe, 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 maybe. And I kind of put Tanyan in that category because occasionally he'd show up for like a big catch and it's like, oh, I knew he was a freak. I always knew it. it's like, you knew what? He's done nothing in his career and he caught one pass, dude. How does that make a guy a freak? But I also, my, so my, that's, I'm, I'm always on guard in that direction. My blind spot is when those few guys actually do break through because I'm standing here going, no, 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 come on, come on, there's no, no, he won't, he can't, it's not going to happen. And while everybody's behind me celebrating like, we got a guy, Lazard is a freak, I'm like, guys, come on let's just relax a little bit so i'm i'm slow that's i mean you know you take that how you want to take that it's not how i meant it but if you want to take it there go ahead and take it there i find that to be rude i don't appreciate it but you know i i I take things slowly i'm also very slow in generally although i'm rapidly speeding this up i mentioned this before but firings like come on relax I have, as of this moment, zero patience for anti-Brian Gutekunst rhetoric. Zero. Anything against Gudekunst is ridiculous. Not to say one or two of his decisions can't be wrong. Of course they can. The majority of his decisions are going to be wrong. For Ever heard of it? It's called a schlussion. Anyways, in the grand scheme of how well he's doing, I mean, it's at least an A. If you don't want to give him an A+, plus, fine. He's getting an A. But if we want to have a talk about Petten, I think that's reasonable. I don't know that we need to fire him today. I think there's reasonable questions. But I also am of the mind that there are expectations also. So there's grace and understanding that things don't always go well, that most defenses are struggling right now, that some of these players will get better. That, you know, he's missing a couple pieces here and there. You know, what's he supposed to do with this level of linebacker or whatever? You can give him a couple excuses, a little bit of leeway. But again, and this is where there's always confusion. And I think especially fans that are always very optimistic all the time. There's a massive content contingent of diehard fans that are just always positive. And those are the types that, that hate these kinds of conversations. However, and I'm, I'm not trying to tell you how to be a fan. You do whatever you want to do. I love it. The, the always positive fans are the most fun fans to be around. It's, it's the Matt Ramage types, you know? The, nobody dislikes Matt Ramage because he's just positive all the time. And he's like, dude, that's my, that's my guy. Why are you being mad at my guy? It's like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. But it's hard to be a fan of the team and every single component of the team because a lot of these components are kind of hindering our ability to win. That's just a reality. And if you're supporting some of these players, which is fine. As human beings, I get it. And they're wearing the green and gold, so we love them and all that. But at the same time, some of them maybe should be replaced. And and the same conversation can be had about Mike Patton. and And again, I think he's brilliant. I think he brings a lot to the Green Bay Packers. I think he's helped Matt LaFleur a lot, and I think that's all great. At the same time, though, you set a standard that says what Matt LaFleur is doing is basically unheard of. But it's kind of what we're looking for. And we can go outside of Green Bay and look at other coaches and say the same thing, where it doesn't, I mean, specifically, not just pure dominance, but specifically, we have the ability to lean on you and your brilliance if we don't exactly have the right players. Mike Patton is in a position right now where he has a lot of players. Whether it's just investment in guys that we don't necessarily know are going to be very good, like Darnell Savage, or guys that we just know are very good, like the number one corner in all of football, and, you know, Zadarius Smith. Which are two of the most important things in football. There's a big debate about what's more important. Um, really, really good DB play or really, really good pass rush. We have the best corner in football and one of the best, if not the best, pass rushers in 2019 who seems to have found his groove again. So we can nitpick linebacker, or gee golly, wouldn't it be great if we had another defensive tackle next to Kenny Clark, who's one of the best young defensive tackles in football? Wouldn't that just be splendid? Yeah, it'd be pretty cool, no, no doubt. But again, I, I don't know, I'm not I'm not sure how we got here, but oh, the Tanyan thing. But anyways, yeah. So so I'm slow to these things, but I want to to pause. And although I f- still at this point am more confident, and say, I shouldn't even say that. Let's just leave it alone. I don't know what's going to happen. I was I, What I was about to say is I'm more confident that he's going to regress than than that he won't. But at the same time, the reason he broke out isn't going to change. The only thing that's really going to change is guys are going to, go, going to come back, so he might not get quite that many targets. But at the same time, Matt LaFleur saw this and said, yep, we got a guy here. It would be a mistake not to utilize this. I mean, we got to feed Devontae and we got to feed Lazard whenever he comes back. But again it would be a mistake to not utilize what we did against the Atlanta Falcons sometimes. And the real benefit of that is you start talking about guys like Dion Jones or Levante David, who is considered the best coverage linebacker in football by PFF and a lot of other people. I don't know that it's very close. But again, you look at that and you go, oh yeah, what are you going to do against Levante David? Which guy? Who's he covering? Is he covering Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, or uh, Robert Tanyan? Because I... I was watching, and we're going to look at a little bit of this. I'll well, not look at it because it's a podcast. But Ben Fennell in the at the Atlantic did kind of a breakdown of a bunch of stuff. And one of the plays he highlighted, I was trying to look at who these guys were that were running. Turns out it was, it's like I, I saw Jamal, but I, I thought the other guy was a running back. And I was confused. And it turns out, yeah, it was both running backs, came out of the backfield and ran basically, I don't know the exact terminology when you come out of the backfield and do it, but they were basically go routes. I guess wheel routes. I, I don't know. Anyways... You got two running backs streaking down the right side of the field who were, actually, I think Jamal was split out. doesn't matter. Point is, two running backs running down the field as well as a tight end. And then, of course, a wide receiver. But again, so if, let's say it was Jamal was split out, Aaron Jones was in the backfield. If Levante David is following Aaron Jones out of the backfield, and let's say he can cover him. First of all, that pass was to Jamal, so that wouldn't change very much. Except Aaron Jones would be covered, but okay. Also, how is he going to help stop tight ends? This is the benefit of being multiple. It's the reason why Mike McCarthy didn't work very well, because he wants really good wide receivers that can beat guys, and he had that in Devontae. But again, you get guys that are good that can match up against Devontae or double, triple cover the guy, and then what? Let's feature the tight ends. Well, I don't know how to do that. This is very scheme-based, and it it, multi, it it uses lots of players in lots of areas. And the, the problem is you get a guy like Levante David, and it's like, all right, shut it down. Who? Which one? It's, it's staggering to me. First of all, the fact that you very rarely ever saw Green Bay Packers guys get open. I said that a thousand different times back when it was happening. It just it blew my mind. Every time we face somebody or I watch a different game, there'd be guys that would come running across the middle of the field. and They're just wide open. Constantly happened against the Packers. Guys are wide open. And it's like, oh, that was a great play call. He schemed these guys open. It's like, okay, if you can do it, why can't we do it? I mean, it's just a matter of guys running in directions that either confuse or overwhelm a defense to where you got guys that are too many on one side or, you know, what? like, why can't Mike McCarthy do that? Now we're at a point where not only do we have guys that are open, there are plays where you can pick from three different guys who are all open. On that Jamal play, I think three wide receivers, or I should say three receivers, three guys that were ball catchers on that particular play were open. And I've seen multiple times when these guys get on their uh, – on their Twitters and put up these little, little plays and whatnot, just highlighting the fact that Rodgers had a lot to choose from. That's that's, it's I don't know, man. Again, I don't know how we got here, but it just, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Oh, because it's, it's hard to predict a Tanyan regression, even for skeptics like me that say, I don't know that he necessarily broke out athletically and and is that level of talent. But I mean, Is sixth-round pick Kittle some kind of a freak? Why did he go so late if he's a freak? I'm pretty sure he's fast. But there had to have been some kind of limitations, right? Again, MVS was really tall and really fast. Why didn't he go earlier? Because really tall and really fast is just a small part of the equation. There's a lot more to football, and if you watch that back-shoulder non-catch, you would understand what some of those complications are. That's a pretty routine back-shoulder, and he just, you know, when to turn, you know, stopping and turning at the right you know, just general body control type stuff. Just... Is, was not there on that play. Devontae, ten times out of ten, that's a touchdown. All right, Jordy Randall, go down the list of Packers guys that have had great rapport with Roger. I mean, geez, Aaron Jones might have pulled that off, you know. But the point is, it works. George Kittle is working over there, and yes, a lot of it has to do with Kittle. But I don't know. I just it's 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 hard to explain how there would be a regression, a a, a stat regression, fine, because there's more guys, but. What is going to happen that's going to cause Tanyan to not be as good? And if you can't come up with an answer, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you that means we've got a tight end. Like, legitimate. Like, real. It's an actual thing that's never really happened in my lifetime since, I don't I don't even know. I I genuinely, like, Mark Chimura, was he like a top tier? Te- know, I know he was good, but I don't know if it was, like, a, a, as a Packer fan, we really liked him because he was talented. I know a lot of people are going to say Jermichael Finley. I... I just don't believe that that was ever the case. I'm sorry. I just, I don't. I, I remember vividly the conversation every year. This year is Jermichael's year. This year he's going to figure it out. This year he's not going to suck. And it just never happened. Maybe there was like one year. The guy dropped everything that was thrown at him. And the, com- I mean, even from like the, the national media was like, dude, Jermichael is a freak. You better watch out, because with Aaron Rodgers in this offense, which, I I mean, is legitimate. There's no reason he shouldn't have been. He's an absolute freak. He's had the best quarterback in football. There was five elite-wide receivers on this team. The guy just could have done somersaults down the field and could have got open. And despite that, I just remember it was a constant, like, why aren't you better? I don't understand why you're not as good as you're supposed to be. So I'm not buying that. I was a huge Bubba Franks fan, I'll tell you that. I know he wasn't elite, but I'll, I'll... I'll die on that hill that man was a great red zone tight end I don't think he did much for us between the 20s but man you get down to the 10 yard line automatic Bubba Franks touchdown also his name is Bubba Franks and I just want to say that a lot it's also interesting I guess we're just doing this right now it's also interesting when you look at the question of well why couldn't Jimmy Graham do that I mean you look at what Jimmy Graham did in in New Orleans then he goes to Seattle and he wasn't quite as good but he was still you know competent he helped a little bit and he was great in the red zone then he goes to green bay and he's just useless and he goes to chicago and he's kind of getting back to being what he was in seattle what is it about green bay that's so cursed two thoughts number one 2019 packers is not 2020 packers as i mentioned the 2019 packers was was like matt Lafleur 101 in other words he barely unraveled his playbook and when he did it just kind of looked ugly It didn't do what it was supposed to do. It was not a fully-formed, fully-functioning Matt LaFleur offense. On top of that, I think we have to recognize the possibility, at least, that there is a Matt LaFleur prototype. And I don't know if Jimmy Graham necessarily is the... (sighs) Well, yeah, let's just leave that there. I don't know that Jimmy Graham is necessarily that, that type. And it's possible Tanyan is just the guy that can run the Matt LaFleur tight end system. It's also possible Jimmy Graham would have been much better this year, but it doesn't matter. The other question, though, is, is that success largely to do with the fact that he's an inline guy, right? Because we've, we've got the inline guys, and then we've got Jimmy, who is split out 50% of the time. And that's what Jace is supposed to do, which, again, is a much tougher assignment. You go playing in the slot, you're going up against corners. And you're running routes, and you got to try to beat guys running routes. That's, that's a tough job. Not that Jace is doing that that much this year, but that was supposed to be his job before. But the point is, it's just it's kind of just a different position. So there's a lot of layers. On, on one hand, maybe Jimmy would have been better if we were fully running this correct system, right? We scheme him wide open, and he's just a freak, and everything blows up, and shoot, too bad we don't have him. Although, for the money, why the heck would we want him anyways? Or it's possible that Robert Tanyan is just a better fit, and it's either way it doesn't matter to me, because it's working, and he's as of right now dirt cheap. Here's another little interesting tidbit. You know what? Let's let's pause here. Um, there is some audio again since we're just in full swing apparently appreciation mode. Now I wanna I wanna say that this whole thing comes with a grain of salt. We're we're talking about anytime you talk about somebody's friends, family, teammates, whatever. Of course they're gonna be complimentary. Of course they're gonna say nice things, but. It doesn't mean it's wrong, right? If if I say my son is a great kid, I, does it, what does that mean to you? Like, if, if you were going to babysit him and I brought him over and I was like, oh, he's a great kid, in the back of your mind, you're like, I hope that's true, and not just a dad saying dad stuff, although that's maybe not a great, because I would be honest, I'd be like, no, he's a nightmare, um, you know, I already threatened him before we came here, but, you know, best of luck, I guess, I, you know, you get what I'm saying, though, right, there, there's coach speak and everything, and they more or less are asking Kittle to be complimentary, and he is. But either way, Robert Tanya Appreciation Day, here is a, a clip of George Kittle basically saying that he knew this would happen, this is real, it's not a fluke, the guy's a freak, and by the way, it doesn't hurt that he works out and trains with and studies with George Kittle. That's, that's something people have been pointing out for a long time which, you know, talent doesn't necessarily transfer through osmosis, so I've not been a big believer in that, but it can not hurt. Anyways, I'm going to stop talking. Here's the clip of George Kittle talking about Mr. Robert Tanyan. Uh Expected, yes. Um, you know, I love Rob. Uh, we're the same agent. We um, trained together for the Combine um, before our rookie year, so I've known him since then. Uh, he's a close friend of mine. He's a groomsman in my wedding, so yeah, I have high expectations of him as both a friend and as a football player, and um, you know the work that he's put in the last two years, and I know last year was tough for him because he had an injury that you know kind of stopped his uh, success. But you know he's been grinding this this whole past off season, and he gets in, and he's finally making. You know he's finally getting to you know, take advantage of those opportunities. And when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball, and you know with Rob's grit and his ability, um, he's being able to make plays, and people are finally being able to see it. So I'm just so happy for him because he's a really good tight end, and he's a chance to be great, and he gets to prove that now. So there you go. The uh, hottest tight end in football right now. Oh, I, let, let's put it this way. The best two tight ends in football as of today are George Kittle and Robert Tanyan, who happen to be very close friends. And I'm not just talking about stats. There's a, there's a graphic floating around. I think I even posted it in the Facebook page um, showing that he has he's the number one tight end in touchdowns, largely because he had three in one game. But it is what it is. But it's not just the stats. It's not just one fluky game. It's also PFF's grades, which has highlighted that It's not just one fluky game. This is two games in a row now that he's been a pretty solid, dominant tight end. And so the interesting thing about this Matt LaFleur system starting to take hold in 2020 is that it's a new team, and we're kind of in uncharted territory. Who are the guys that are going to be a big part of making Matt LaFleur's system go as well as it is? We know Aaron Rodgers is the main key. We know Devontae can thrive anywhere. We've learned that Lazard is very key. I mean, as good as he was last year... Kind of in spurts. I mean, it was it was off and on, right? We saw flashes of his brilliance again. The point is, last year it was kind of one guy does well, the other kind of do terrible. Lazard has just kind of been consistently pretty dominant this whole year, so he's solidified himself. Like, this is I'm I'm taking this bull by the horns. Here we go. But you've also got guys that are stepping up like Lucas Patrick, very low expectations, and he's just fit in seamlessly. Okay, I guess we got a guy there. Is Robert Tanyan another one of those guys? Which is similar by the way to Alan Lazard. Started elsewhere, got cut, came here, got cut, didn't really wasn't really interested, right? Like ah, let's try him at tight end, I don't know, we'll see what... yeah. kind of floats around, he's there, but whatever, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, look who's really good. He also, in essence, was an afterthought. Right? We we want our guys, MVS and EQ, the guys that, that we brought in, to kind of step up and take the reins. Right, well we dumped Jimmy, but we got Jason, we got Deguara now. These are the guys that we're kind of grooming to take over and and do what we hope they can do, and DeGuarra's hurt. Jace hasn't quite figured this thing out. All the wide receivers are hurt, and it's like, Tanyan, we got to kind of lean on you, and he's like, yeah, about time, been waiting for it. And so they lean on him, and look what happens. And so, again, it's kind of one of those things where you wonder if Matt LaFleur and the rest of this offense are sitting back like, okay, so that needs to happen more, (laughs) right? Because you just... Think about this whole season. What have I been saying? A lot of it is trust, and I'm not saying Rogers doesn't trust Tanyan, but maybe Matt Lafleur doesn't. Again, he's he's kind of he's top of the the depth chart at tight end. I don't want to act like he's third on the depth chart because he's not. He's the top guy, but it's 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 not what they want to be the top guy. So everything about this offense has been about trust. We trust Aaron Rodgers. We trust Aaron Jones. We trust Devontae. We've learned to trust Lazard. We don't want any other wide receivers out here because we don't. You know, I don't know. You know, A.J. Dillon, yeah, I'm excited about him, but just just hang out over there, dude. We, we got this. I don't know you. I don't trust you. I don't want you out there. So when we're forced to lean on Tanya, now it's, I mean, does anybody not trust Tanya after that? So again, it kind of brings me back to, I kind of think this is going to be a thing moving forward. I think it was a wake-up call that, yep, we can lean on this guy. We can trust him. We can call plays designed just for Tanya. Which is a big thing, right? When you've got, let's say, Lazard and and, and Aaron Jones and Jamal and uh, Devontae, I understand there's injuries, but I'm just saying in general, and you know you can trust these guys and they're reliable. I mean, you only get three tries and then you got a punt, right? I mean, I've talked about that before, too, where first and 10 becomes second and 10 becomes third and 10 pretty quick. A failed run play and an incomplete pass. That's it, third and 10. Now we're in trouble. So it's really important that you utilize every single down As though it's, you know, life or death, because it is. It's critically important that we we gain the amount of yards, not nards, yards necessary. This isn't, you know, I I hate that I keep picking on Mike McCarthy, but he's been our coach for a long time, and it was a problem. The run-run-pass thing. Like, the first two downs don't matter. Well, don't worry, we'll pick it up on third down. I mean, come on, man. But now that trust has been established, now you can say, all right, we're going to table these other guys. We're going to make first and ten a Tanyan play. Not that any play is specifically just one guy, unless we're running like a screen, but there is the, the, the primary receiver on a play. And a lot of these are designed, you know, this guy is going to pull the safety this way, this guy is going to pull up the linebacker, which should leave Tanyan, you know, one-on-one over here, and we trust him to get open and, and catch the ball and all that stuff, right? You, you call play specifically for that. And again, we talk about Matt LaFleur not fully unraveling his playbook, I'm sure there's a lot of tight end stuff in his playbook that he hasn't really featured, that he was forced to feature last week, which is probably why we put a beating on them so badly, because there's probably a lot of stuff in there we've never seen before, like six offensive linemen, for example. So now we could probably just leave those pages open. Guess what, guys? We're adding some pages to the official playbook. We're we're expanding this a little bit more every week. Now we got the offseason. I mean we're gonna be practicing some more stuff, unraveling some more stuff. It's just it's all it's all good, man. It's all good. But also, by the way, another example of a guy that Brian Gutekunst deserves a lot of respect for. We, we we constantly pick up these guys that you just kinda shrug and go, eh, whatever. Who cares? Don't expect anything from Alan Lazard. Clear number two wide receiver. He plays tight end at Indiana State. The Lions picked him up as an undrafted free agent which just makes it all the more sweet. And they cut him before the season even begins. like, you know, there's nothing here. Then at the end of the season, the Packers picked him up, put him on the practice squad, just stashed the guy. Decided, you know what, let's save this guy for 2018, re-signed him. The rest is history. He started playing for us. And to be honest, the, the struggles we've had at finding a quality tight end have, have helped to lead to this. Because you got teams like, you know, the Lions that have got some guys that they like. Other teams, they're not going to give Robert Tanyan a shot. We were in a position where Tanyan was kind of the best guy we've had for quite a while, and even with Jimmy Graham here, he was probably the better tight end. And I haven't even been a huge Tanyan fan, and I would acknowledge that. And so it'll also be interesting after this year, um, if he continues to play the way that he has, I have a feeling, because this is the final year of his current contract, he may get a big boy contract. Now, the really cool thing about that is you look at his production, and and I'm, I'm not... Comparing him necessarily to Kittle, but let's just say he he fits. He works. everything he does is more than enough to be able to operate and and play very well in this system. He's not getting George Kittle's contract. He's just not. He's an undrafted free agent that the the Packers barely wanted. It works. He's going to get a, a, a fairly sizable contract. But what I'm saying is we have the potential to have. I mean, I, top five sounds silly to say, but there's not that many good tight ends in the NFL. The potential for a top five tight end in the NFL for a pretty reasonable contract. He's not getting $10 million like Jimmy got. At least I don't think so. I don't know. So it'll, it'll be very interesting going forward. He's 26 years old. He's got plenty of time to produce for, again, this could be another guy that's just cemented for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' tenure. And I part of me hates saying that because it's like, okay, when he leaves, then this all falls apart. Great. You know, Zedarius will be gone. Preston's gone. Rodgers is gone. Tanyan is gone. Devontae's gone. Everybody's gone. Great. Super. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But legitimately, then it kind of comes down to, okay, so what are we even missing on this offense anymore? Which, by the way, is a question. So we'll, we'll, we'll use that as a segue off of the Tanyan appreciation. But anyway, it, it is important to to think about if he can continue to produce, which again, I don't know that it's very likely that he doesn't, he's probably going to get a contract. And that doesn't mean anybody else is is doomed, because they're still on their rookie contracts for some time. Taguara just got picked up. Jace just got picked up last year. So they got plenty of time to make this thing work. And if they want to prove they're better than Tanyan, cool. Go ahead and do it. The Packers don't care. Like, oh, no, you're better than Tanyan. That stinks. Get out there and go dominate, then. We've both of you out there. Sweet. Two top ten tight ends? No. The madness. What will I do? Doesn't matter. But, again, transition now to Christopher Malagese. He probably already corrected me, but I forgot. We'll say Chris's question in the Facebook group, which I need to close this, by the way. I forget that I left my Q&A thing open. But he says, okay, everyone is obsessed with wide receiver. What part of this offense do you think would benefit most from an upgrade? There's more, but that's that's the question part. That is a tough question because you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, so we've got a dominant offensive line. We've got the best quarterback in football. We've got Devontae and Lazard. Tanyan seems to be solid. Clearly, the best running back room in football. It is a tough question, and it's not a con a, a contract question, right? So we could say, well, we could use a new center because then we don't have to pay Corey Lindsley. That, you know, that's not what we're talking about. I think it's still fairly obvious. I mean, I I'm I'm not opposed to getting another wide receiver. I'm not. I know I'm I'm one of the the crowd that says you guys need to cool it, but I'm not opposed to more and better wide receivers. I mean, we just talked about how I mean Devontae has a shelf life. Nothing wrong with getting a guy, especially when we know that that guy might take a year or two years to get up to speed, to, to just have that next guy in line. Nothing wrong with needing to go three wide and having a guy that's, uh, you know, let's say a Justin Jefferson, Devontae, and Lazard. That's not the worst situation to be in. But still, I think the, the best thing that we can do is, is add in an offensive lineman, specifically a tackle. The offensive line has been great, but not surprisingly, when we look at this offense, not everybody's been great. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that are graded below 60. Now, the lowest grade is a 53, which is pretty solid. The entire offense, the lowest grade is a 53, which is just below average, right? I don't even start calling guys bad until they get into the 40s. Unfortunately, of that group, one of them is our starting right tackle, Mr. Billy Turner. So if we look, for example, at pass blocking, which is, I mean, we, we need to be able to run block but clearly pass blocking is critically important. David Bakhtiari is phenomenal. Corey Lindsley is phenomenal. John Runyon hasn't played very much, but I'm very excited about him getting some opportunities. He is currently, again, too small of a sample size. Only nine times did he pass block, but he's our third highest graded pass blocker. So that's part of the reason why I don't want to look at the interior, although we should probably look there, because we might already have guys there. Um, Elton Jenkins doing a great job pass blocking. His overall grade isn't great because his run blocking has been subpar, at least as far as the grades go. I know a lot of people would disagree with that. That's fine. I haven't watched for myself. Draw your own conclusions. I'm just I'm just reporting the news here. Uh, Lane Taylor is grading out just fine. Lucas Patrick, also in the 70s, doing fine. Rick Wagner, 72, doing just fine. You've also got guys like Robert Tanyan. You've got John Lovett. You've got Mercedes Lewis. You got Alan Lazard. You got Jamal Williams. And then you get down to Billy Turner. Billy Turner's pass-blocking grade is in the 50s. Every other offensive lineman that we have that is a starter, at least, in fact, I think just all of them, there's nobody, every single offensive lineman we have is in the 70s or 80s for pass-blocking. Billy Turner is in the 50s. So if I could snap my fingers right now today and upgrade something, it would be our right tackle spot. Now, fortunately for all of us, not only do I have access to a lot of information on college football via PFF, because, you know. Thanks to your donations, I'm able to buy cool stuff like this. But it's Saturday, meaning we have college football today. So you have the opportunity to maybe go check some of these guys out. Not that you'd want to watch a right tackle or a left tackle, for that matter, probably in football, if you're going to be watching college football today. But I'll put it out there anyways. Now, somebody had posed the question, and I don't have a good answer for it, but it was what makes a really good Packers offensive tackle? I don't know. I listed out all the tackles that have been brought in, drafted, whatever. Not just for Matt Lafleur, but also Sean McVay and, and Kyle Shanahan, to see if there's a type. There's not a type. They range from like six foot two or six foot three to six foot seven, from like three oh five to three forty. There's really good pass blockers and bad run blockers, and really good run blockers and really bad pass blockers in terms of great. There's just there's nothing. It's just a, if there's something, it, it has nothing to do with anything that PFF can identify. But for our purposes, we're looking for a really talented. Um, offensive tackle. And what I can tell you is the first place you're probably going to want to start to look. And granted, the the hard part about college football is that the competition varies so much. There are players who are going up against pure garbage football teams and others that are probably grading out somewhat poorly that are buried on this list because they went up against really tough competition. But the number one place you probably want to look for offensive tackle talent right now is BYU. The number one tackle in football right now is Brady Christensen. The number four tackle in football right now is Harris Lachance at BYU. The number 14 tackle is Blake Freeland from BYU. So (laughs) I don't know how or why they have three tackles, but they do, and they're all just dominating everybody. Now, the competition was Navy, Troy, and Louisiana Tech, but again, this is is how college football works, and it's really, really hard to discern these things, which is why big boards are really important, because if you just use PFF, it's not going to be, even PFF doesn't use their own grades to determine things. If you look at their board, it it lines up more with other people's boards than with their own grades because there's so much context. But still, if you want to watch a guy, and I'm sure he's going to have another good day because he's going up against UTSA. Actually, before I pop off, let's check that. No, UTSA is ranked 15th in the nation via PFF for their pass rush prowess. So this actually might be a, a decent enough. Let me let me dig into that more. I know you don't care, but I'm curious. Yeah, this might be a this might be a decent matchup, man. Charles Wiley has nineteen pressures so far on the year. Uh Brandon Matterson, Lorenzo Dansler. Not sure if he's related to Cam. But anyways, six foot six, three hundred pound Brady Christensen is uh extremely dominant as a pass blocker as well as a run blocker. If you're looking for a more interesting game that maybe you're gonna watch anyways, one of the guys and he's he's graded out fairly well. He's twenty second, but again, it's it's college, man. Twenty second is still pretty good. Uh, Mr. Samuel Cosme, still don't know if I'm saying his name right, but uh, out of Texas, it's you got Texas versus Oklahoma. He, he's widely considered possibly like a late first round um, offensive tackle. He is a left tackle, but most of the most talented guys that are going to end up NFL prospects are left tackles. That's why they're going to be first round players. But six foot seven, three oh nine, definitely more of a pass blocker than a run blocker. But again, if you're just wanting to watch a good football game that happens to have a good tackle, that's a good one. Final name I'll throw out there that's going to be a fun game to watch. A a couple names. Uh, Georgia tackle Warren McClendon. Probably haven't heard of him, but that's a guy that's grading out really well. Clemson tackle Jordan McFadden. Currently the 11th highest graded guy on here. Or if you're watching Notre Dame, just that offensive line is fantastic. So lots of options. Lots of really good tackles in this class. If you're looking for a dominant run blocker, Braden Christensen is the highest run blocking grade uh, in football. Liam Eikenberg out of Notre Dame is another one. Just just throwing it out there, because uh, I do think that that's probably, if we needed to upgrade something, that's probably it. The Packers don't seem super interested in Rick Wagner, although he's doing a fairly good job. Um, and they like Billy Turner, but it's just not working. So you got one guy that I think can do the job, but he's kind of older and the Packers don't like him. One guy that the Packers like that can't do the job. We, we need a right tackle. We need to invest in one, and so uh, I wouldn't be totally upset if the Packers went offensive tackle. I wouldn't mind defensive tackle either, but we're talking offense. Um, so yeah, I think that that may be overall for the team the, the top priority. I know the offense is dominant, but still, um, I'm not looking forward to Khalil Mack versus Billy Turner. I'm just not. Anyways, why don't we take a break here? We'll come back and talk about some uh, injuries and other things. If you haven't done so yet, I would encourage you to check out ironjoc.com, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. Again, this is a Wisconsin-based company. They just recently launched, and they've got some of the best quality material I've ever felt. It is a men's athletic company, so they've got things geared toward that. They got—they do have polo shirts, but they got vests, workout shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, socks, and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, and pants. And again, on top of being incredibly comfortable, they've also got quite a bit of technology behind what it is that they do. They have a proprietary EnduraTech fabric, which has silver ion infused in the fabric. Uh, when it gets wet, the silver ion is released into the fabric, which kills bacteria and fungus caused by sweating, which means you have a self-odor-eliminating shirt, slash hoodie, pants, underwear, whatever. It's also anti-static, breathable, wicking, and fast-drying. And if you end up buying their long pants, shorts, hoodies, or running jacket, um, it's actually also water-repellent. They have what's called EnduraTech Plus fabric for that. So very excited! Some people have start started uh, receiving these. I still have some to ship out. I'm very sorry. I'm slow. I'm there's a lot going on, but it's happening. Hopefully today we got to leave here pretty soon. But three day weekend, so it's happening. But I would at least encourage you to check out their website ironjock.com. Follow them on Facebook or on Twitter at ironjock. They've got videos kind of explaining their process and all that kind of stuff. So check them out. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. First of all, before we forget, uh, I got several thank yous to go out. I've just spent the last, I don't know, 10 minutes or so trying to figure out how to pronounce this man's name. He's 16, but I'll call him a man. Here's, here's my issue. He's Irish. His name is Jair, like Jair Alexander, but changed the J to a D, so my automatic thought is Dair, but I'm like, that's not right. You're just, you're stuck on Jair Alexander, so figure out how to say this name in Irish. I have found six different websites that have said it six different ways. I've been told a couple times it's Dara, which sounds like that's probably not true. I've heard Dier, there was a guy that said it, that sounded like he might be Irish, saying daja something to that effect, which sounds Russian to me, so maybe he's full of crap, I don't know. Brendan, it says male from Ireland, I don't know, he probably knows Darja. I don't know, man, I don't know how to say your name, I'm sorry. But in the spirit of uh, both of us being Packer fans, I'm going to call you Dyer from now on. But thank you very much for that donation, definitely was not necessary, I feel kind of guilty taking it from a 16 year old dude, but... I guess I will do that. And then uh, thank you also to Ciro, which I thought might have been Italian, but I'm pretty sure it's Brazilian. I was kind of looking into it a little bit. I knew a Cyril who was Italian. It also sounds like Nero who was Italian, so I just thought Ciro was Italian, but I kind of was Googling around what that, the meaning and all that stuff, and it brought me to a lot of Brazilian type stuff. And I know there's a big contingent of Brazilian Packer fans, so thank you very much, Ciro, for your donation as well. PackerNet podcast, man, it's global. I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys knew that. Thank you also to Ryan Radig. Not going to even attempt to figure out where that name comes from. Um, I feel like I, I, feel like I did a good job with the last name, but thank you for your support on uh, Venmo. And then finally, thank you very much to Mister uh, Danny Marquise. It's not quite Marquez. Could be Marcus, if you just want to really Americanize it, condense that thing down. But uh, I had the opportunity to speak with him a little bit through email. And so thanks a lot, again, Danny from Tennessee, for hitting me up on PayPal. Because, you know, my hands are open all over the place. But I really appreciate all the support. It's been, uh, as always, overwhelming. And I'm glad that, uh, at least for about an hour a day, I can help some people out. Do not forget to get into the Flick Chat dealy. Uh, We're doing the giveaway, and you don't have very much time left. The games are tomorrow. Sorry for those of you that picked Tampa or Chicago. You probably did not win. No, you do not get a second entry. I don't know if anyone actually picked them. I'm just saying. But uh, if you got another idea, you have until tomorrow before kickoff. None of this, well, I picked a Monday night game. No, man. Because then you got a chance to see the Sunday games, and that's an unfair advantage. I know you can see Thursday, but I don't care. Listen, I make the rules. It is what it is. Also, if you don't know how to get in, you should probably ask in the Facebook group. That way they can use their links and earn, you know, earn stuff. I don't know. I'm just saying. But please get in there. I'm basically begging everybody at this point and willing to give away anything. I'm giving away money, giving away hoodies, and all it is is a, is a sports chat. I got questions. We got polls. And then during games, there's actual live, and I, maybe I'll try to add some just for this week you know uh vikings game or something there's gonna be live in-game chats maybe i'll just pick one that we can all kind of congregate to we'll do like the vikings game or something but it's just a live chat it's got all the stats and the latest plays and everybody just hangs out and talks about the football game i know we've had um threads on the in the facebook group before where there's like one big thread where everybody can comment and stuff which is a little bit clunky and whatnot i think this would be better in fact i know that it's better um and again, it's it's built by FanDuel. It's specifically designed for sports fans to hang out and congregate. And it's just, I don't know, we all had a lot of fun last week. So I'm hoping you'll you'll join in. It is growing. We cracked 100. We got about 114 people in there now, I think. So it would be nice if we can get a little closer to 200 by game day. And by uh, the Packers game, we better be clear over 200. I'm just saying. Anyways, um, more news and information. James Daniels, the uh, offensive interior interior offensive lineman for the Chicago Bears, is out for the season. He has a pectoral injury, they did some tests, came back, he's, he's done. Now James Daniels is one of two guys along that offensive line, along with Cody Whitehair that I've pointed out in the past, that's one of these really talented guys that really flashed that is kind of in that, I don't know what exactly went wrong territory. You know, they really seemed like they were going to be good football players and they just haven't been doing very much recently. Um, But as much as he's been struggling, the one area that he really thrives in and is, in fact, tied for the best on the team is run blocking. And when your team is really struggling right now with quarterback play, passing the ball, but the one thing that seems to be kind of working is running the ball, having James Daniels, arguably your best run blocking offensive lineman, go out for the season. As bad as he is as a pass blocker, things are going to go downhill fairly quick. Um, Their other player, Jermaine Effetti, is just not a good football player. I'm assuming next man up is going to be Alex Bars. Alex Bars is a bad run blocker and is horrific, horrific as a pass blocker. So maybe they go in a different direction. I'm not entirely sure who that would be. Alex Bars is the only other guard um, that has played any snaps. Uh, Alex is an undrafted free agent from 2019. And although we can look at it and say, well, small sample size, and that's true... Um, He did play 32 snaps against Tampa Bay, presumably filling in for uh, James Daniels. 23 of those, 32, were pass blocking, and in 23 attempts, he gave up a sack, which is not a good start. He also played a handful of snaps in 2019, very similar result. He had one pass blocking rep the entire year. One. Week 13 against Detroit, he gave up a hurry on his one attempt. (laughs) He comes out for one play, fails, and then they pull him. He came out uh, a couple other times to run block, did not do a very good job, but his only attempts at pass blocking have been really, really terrible. So the Chicago Bears are in a bit of trouble, not only because they're, they're massively downgrading as run blockers, um, even with James Daniels struggling as a pass blocker, Alex Bars, so far, not surprisingly, has been a lot worse. Again, undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame. We'll see if there's some other option. I mean, they do have other guards on the team, none that have played anything. They've got uh, Dieter Eselin, Lacavius Simmons, Rashad Coward, possibly, you know, one of these tackles kicks inside. They got Jason Spriggs. I don't know. I don't know why you would put him in at guard, but he's an option. A lot of, lot of football players here. Sam Mustafer is an uh, offensive center, also an undrafted free agent out of Notre Dame. No reason to believe he would be any better. But, but look, look, bottom line is it's, they're in trouble, so... Best of luck to the Chicago Bears, RIP to Nick Foles and uh, their ability to run the ball. More uh, negative news as far as uh, injuries. Not negative for the Packers necessarily, but Vita Vea is also out for the year. Vea broke his ankle, and so obviously that's going to take some time to heal. As somebody in the Flick chat uh, pointed out, which it's not just an in-game chat. I also can post news in there, and then there can be like a common thread on that news. So I posted about Vita Vea. Uh, somebody commented in there how it's especially going to be difficult for a 350-pound man to uh, recover from something like that, which makes sense. It's obviously, a lot more strain and stress on the joints and whatnot for a large man like that. But uh, talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we were planning to go, or who we will be going up against uh, next, not next week, but you know what I mean, next, next. Vita was one of the few really good players that we needed to worry about, right? He's a obviously a 350-pound guy that's hard to run against but the biggest thing is he's taken massive strides as a pass rusher. With Vita Vea out, they've got some other names that you can be concerned with, but in terms of guys that have produced up to this point, they've got a, a coverage linebacker and a bunch of just kind of sh- you know shoulder shrugs. Not incompetent, but nothing super elite. Nothing that you look at and say, gee, I don't know, this is going to shut down this Packers offense. Um, so they've got and Sue, who's been doing a decent job as a run defender. He's obviously getting quite a bit older. He's not what he was as a pass rusher anymore he's got nine total pressures in 174 attempts which is pretty pathetic uh vita vea was dominant in that category he's the second most pressures outside of shaquille barrett shaquille barrett is the the other guy who i mean he struggles in a lot of areas he's a good pass rusher though he's got a ton of pressures he always does his sack numbers are way not way down because his sack numbers have always been way too high he did that for like two years in a row but he's still a good pass rusher the problem is horrific in coverage terrible tackler really bad against the run so depending on where he lines up, he may be able to generate some pressure, but he's not. I don't. I wouldn't consider him necessarily a game wrecker. Um, but at defensive tackle, the the next man up essentially is going to be William uh, Golston. Golston actually isn't too far behind Vitavea in pressures, and in fact, I think his pressure percentage is probably going to be quite a bit higher. He's only got three less pressures, but he's got about 40 less attempts. So he's been pretty solid in that in that area. But again, nowhere near Vitavea in terms of uh, run defense and whatnot. So I, I genuinely think that shifts the dynamic. How, how do you, and, and you know, this is a conversation for a later time, obviously, but right off the top, this, this leans toward we're going to run a lot against Tampa Bay, right? Time of possession, clock management has been massive for the Packers so far. We don't give the other team a lot of time to play with the football. Your top run defending player on the team, arguably at least, is now off the team. Your linebackers, for whatever they're worth, are not very good run defenders. Levante David isn't terrible, but he's he's a coverage guy. That's what he is. He's got the speed to cover and he's got the range and all that stuff, but he's he's beatable. He's he's a mediocre run defending linebacker. Uh Devin White is just terrible. I already mentioned uh Sue is decent enough at it, but it just it really weakens this thing. I guess something else to point out. Um corners are not that good. The most yardage any one person on this team has given up is 145 yards, that's Ty Summers. The most one of our corners has given up is Chandon Sullivan has given up 129 yards. Carlton Davis, a cornerback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has given up 171 yards. Sean Murphy Bunting has given up 261 yards. Now, I know they've got another game, but 261 is a lot. He only gave up 39 this past week. He gave up 131 yards to the uh, Chargers. So I guess if we choose to throw the ball, we can also do that. Also, Devin White has given up 250 yards. Devin White, you know that elite, super athletic, coverage lockdown sideline to sideline guy. Two hundred fifty-one yard. He's been targeted thirty times this year, giving up twenty-four receptions for two hundred fifty-one yards and a touchdown. One hundred fifty-three yards after the catch. He's given up more yards after the catch than uh, any any defender on the Packers team. It's pretty wild, man. I don't know. I don't. I don't get why they get so much love as a as a defense. I just don't understand it. But anyways, uh, Vea is hurt. Also, I know a lot of you have pointed this out to me, and probably have heard the the final verdict on that sixth offensive lineman, uh, or I should say, the final verdict on uh, Rick Wagner is that he was used as a sixth offensive lineman. Because I couldn't quite figure out, nobody had lost any snaps, but Rick Wagner had a bunch of snaps. How did that happen? He was a sixth offensive lineman, and in fact, they used him sort of like a tight end, which is a weird thing to say if he just went out there on run plays. But the fact of the matter is, they weren't all run plays. It's not like we just went out in a big boy package and. and were run blocking and whatnot. The other interesting thing about it, and I would love to see these plays, because I'm not sure if it's a reality, but they have it broke down in terms of run blocking and pass blocking. He's got less run blocking and pa- pass blocking plays than he has as he has total plays, meaning he did something that wasn't run blocking, wasn't pass blocking. What would that possibly be? What I'm trying to say is I believe there's video out there of Rick Wagner running out for a pass. Now, maybe this is like a screen, but I feel like a screen would be considered run blocking. I don't know. But if that exists, if he's running routes, I want to see that. But anyways, I got to get going. I got to wake up the family because we got to, to boogaloo. But again, thanks for your support. Get in the Facebook group. Like the Facebook page. We got Packernet Podcast. We got Cheese and Packers. Flick chat. Follow me on Twitter. Come over to my house. Be my friend. Don't come to my house, actually. That would be That would be a horrible plan. Anyways, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.